morning. This is God's word. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We read that far from God's word. The, the city of Corinth was like modern New York, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles, all rolled up into the one in the first century. The parallels between the culture and life then and the modern American cities are striking. And to be a Christian and a church in Corinth was much like being a Christian and a church in 21st century America. There's much for us to learn. There's huge relevance of this book. And Paul wrote 1 Corinthians about 20 years after the death of Jesus. And of course, his resurrection and ascension back to heaven, about 20 years after, about 55 AD. And Paul had previously been in Corinth, and he started a church there, and then he was called by God to continue elsewhere and to continue his missionary efforts elsewhere. But later, it was when he heard about issues back in Corinth that it caused him to write this letter. And many of the issues prompting Paul to write to the church then are facing the church in America, and the church in the world today. Let me recap the relationship between Paul and the church in Corinth because it's essential to understand the book as we move forward. So just take a few minutes with me and understand Paul's relationship to the church in Corinth. As I said, Paul was going from city to city to bring the gospel, basically a missionary. He'd been ministering in a previous city named Athens when Christ sent Paul from Athens to Corinth to start a church in Corinth. When Paul first arrived in Corinth, he didn't have support, and so he started a full-time job to support himself. And what he knew how to do, his career, if you will, was a maker of leather tents. He was a tent maker. We use that word now, have self-supporting missionaries, but it literally comes from Paul supporting himself by having a full-time job making leather tents, which were highly used in those days. So when he arrived at at work, he met a couple, you could say co-workers of his, literally, uh, Killa and Priscilla. But on Sabbath days, Paul, being a trained rabbi, would go to the synagogue and teach and preach and reason with the Jews in the synagogue about how this Jesus who had come is their Messiah. He is the Christ. Saturday by Saturday, Sabbath by Sabbath, he would reason with them. Well, the Jews didn't receive this new rabbi, Paul. In fact, they opposed him very severely. And so Paul decided that he would stop the synagogue ministry. And instead, he would reach out to the Gentiles and speak only to Gentiles. And Paul started speaking to house meetings. In fact, there was a house meeting right next to the Jewish synagogue. All this is described in Acts 18, 1 through 18. I'm just summarizing it for you. Interestingly, the Jewish synagogue ruler, a Jew named Sosthenes, came to believe in Christ, and so did many other uh, citizens of Corinth. No, it was Crispus, sorry, it was Crispus who came to believe in Christ. The 
Jewish synagogue ruler. And then in a vision, the Lord spoke to Paul that he should not fear, just go on speaking the gospel of Christ, that God was with Paul. God literally said that to him in Acts 18. And that many people would be converted in Corinth, that God had many people, elect people in Corinth, who would be converted through the ministry of the gospel there. God communicated this to Paul as a great encouragement to him. And so Paul stopped his pattern of quickly moving on from city to city and instead stayed there in Corinth and continued to minister in the same place for a year and a half. Paul spent a year and a half in Corinth. And during that time, the Jews brought Paul into court with the charge that he had started an illegal religion. And so this uh, government official ruled that two teachings about religious beliefs were not illegal, but rather were simply a religious dispute. So he declared it not to be a public matter, not to be a matter of policing for his court to handle. He had them all dismissed from his courtroom. But before they left the courtroom, the Jews turned on their new synagogue ruler and beat him right in front of the the tribunal, the court. The government officials did nothing to stop the beating. And it was after all these events that Paul decided to remain longer in Corinth. So see how he built quite a relationship with the believers in Corinth, walking through these severe events with them. And previously, God had Paul, like I said, moving from city to city, being a missionary. But now, God had Paul stay within Corinth for that 18-month period. Now, there's a quick recap for you about Paul's relationship to the recipients of this letter. We call it 1 Corinthians. It's the first letter out of two letters that Paul wrote to the believers and the church in the ancient city of Corinth. This is what we call 1 Corinthians. So the main point of the sermon you'll see in your bulletin is because Christ has sanctified us through his death and resurrection, he invites us to walk close with him. We'll see in the first two verses, we're called to be God's people within a sinful city. And secondly, they're called to be saints, which means holy, invited to walk close to God as I use for the title. And then also verses 2 into 3, co-called as God's people with Christians everywhere. First, we'll look at verse 1, called to be God's people within a sinful city. Here, Paul writes, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. He's reminding the people of Corinth as they receive this letter. They knew him. They knew him quite well. But as they receive this letter, he's reminding them right off the top that he was called by God to be an apostle of Jesus for them. He's reminding them the authority that he has and the manner in which they should receive this letter. It's from God. And the point in the beginning of verse 2, then, is to say that it's not just Paul who was called. It's also that God called a whole church of believers into existence, even in a dark place. Listen to how verse 2 starts. To, this letter is written to, the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. So verse 2 tells us that the people to whom the letter is addressed are also called by God. It's not just Paul, who's called by God to be an apostle, but they too are called to be God's people. And if God is saying something from his apostle to them, they are called by God to heed it. So Corinth was a place that was known for its vigorous worship of false gods. It was also a place that was known for its rampant immorality. It's not too much to say it was Sin City. 
And so one immediate lesson for us, perhaps you're like me and you're growing increasingly discouraged about the oppressive way in which a wrong ethic is pressed upon us. And one important lesson, one immediate lesson we get already, we're only two verses in, is to be reminded that Christ builds and cares for his church in the middle of a sinful society. He truly does. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. We can expect this. That Christ sent the Apostle Paul to Corinth in the first place to build the church of Jesus Christ there. And then Christ called Paul later to write this letter back to them to help them with their struggles as they continue to grow and live in a sinful city. All this is God's strategy. God is patient and God is wise. And in the middle of a sinful world, he calls people to himself from every nation. What was important for the people in Corinth to see is that the gospel can go beyond the Jews and can go beyond the synagogue. That God could call Paul to speak to the synagogue and if the synagogue opposed him, he was free to leave the synagogue and go speak only to Gentiles because the gospel is for all peoples. It's for Jew and Gentile. The gospel's for all nations. It's to all peoples, not just the Jews. That's what's essentially important to discover in the book of Corinthians. Paul left the synagogue to speak to the Gentiles. That's significant and important. The strategy of God for the salvation of souls is seen in the death of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross, but followed by his resurrection which 1 Corinthians is well known for. Chapter 15 is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is an important message, that after Christ ascended back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, then apostles and missionaries like Paul and others could spread this good news around the sinful world, from sinful city to sinful city, from sinful town to sinful town. It's for everyone. Not just for urban Christians or urban people. It's not just for people who are rural. Not just for one nation or another. It's for all people in all generations. That's what's important to understand about the good news from God to man. So when Paul left the synagogue in Corinth, where did Paul go? You could think that he wiped his hands and he wiped the dust off his feet and he said, we're done with Corinth, let's go elsewhere. That's not what he did at all. Where did he go? Acts 18 tells us he went next door. Literally next door to the synagogue, there was a house. He went into that house and he started meetings to tell them the same things. Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah and he's come to save all nations and all people. He's come to save the world. And so those who would want to hear and those who believe met together. And one of them was the synagogue ruler Crispus, the one I mentioned earlier that was converted who lost then his position as synagogue ruler and was only so glad to be in the hearing of Paul to hear about Jesus Christ, for he was a true believer now. The house church is made up of, you get this so far, the roll call. You have Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews, trained in the school of Gamaliel as a top-notch rabbi, now converted to Christ and going city to city. You have Paul in the church. Next, you have Crispus, who was the synagogue ruler there in Corinth, but now is converted and then lost his position. Now he's next door in the house church, worshiping with Paul. Who else do we have? We have a worshiper of God named Titius Justus. We have other Corinthian people who are starting to believe and hear and then come and then be baptized. 
there's fruit coming and that God is gathering a church right next door to the synagogue that had rejected their Jewish Messiah and had rejected the Jewish rabbi Paul and had rejected their Jewish leader because he converted. And there's fruit coming and a church is gathering and God's word is being preached there for a year and a half. Is not God on the move? This is an incredible story that tells us how God works in his kingdom. God told Paul, don't be afraid. They're in the habit of beating people and worse. But God said to Paul, don't be afraid. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. God wanted his word to go out in exactly this way for God's own fruit and results. God didn't want the Jews to have the effect of silencing Paul's preaching ministry. Acts 18.10, God said, I am with you. We sing that in Emmanuel all through Christmas. Emmanuel is God with us. I am with you, he said to Paul. It's true year-round, not just at Christmas time. What a comfort to Paul the messenger, to have God himself with you when you're up against this rejection from the Jewish synagogue. God also made a promise to protect Paul. Oh, now that would be very comforting. He literally said this, Acts 18.10, No one will attack you to harm you. Well, that's new. Because up till now, from city to city, he'd been beaten repeatedly. Now, all of a sudden, there's protection for Paul. Used to be in the synagogue, now he's in house churches. Used to speak to Jews, now he's speaking to Gentiles. Used to be beaten, now he's protected. Something's changing. God is moving in the ministry and life of Paul. And we're told the reason. We're literally told the reason. Because God has many people in Corinth. What does that mean? Elect people whom God intends to convert through the gospel message. And what he needs is a messenger to announce that news. And then God, by his spirit, will bring them into his kingdom. I have many people that this is the case for there in Corinth. He would do more than build the church in Corinth. If you follow the story, eventually what would happen in Corinth, it would become a headquarters for world missions. Far more than just a healthy church in Corinth, being called by God to stay there and to live lives within that society to demonstrate they have a Savior. You too can have a Savior. They're being called to live lives that show to the people of that city these believers have a God who is holy. And because their God is holy, they will live holy lives by his grace. As a result, their God was daily enabling them to live now in such a way that reflects they already possess a future city to which they can go, a city to which they belong, a city in which they are already citizens, a future city that's already being prepared for them by Jesus. They're citizens of heaven which is far more integral and based to who they are than being citizens of Corinth. Those saints living in Corinth were already part of a heavenly city to which they will soon go in the future, and yet they're now assigned by God to keep on living in the middle of an earthly city called Corinth, Sin City, which is filled with ick. And God's called them to live there. For his purposes. The majority of the people of Corinth were not walking with God. And that has a certain effect on you when you're around it. You're moving about in Corinth and shopping and working and doing life. And it impacts you again and again. And the other citizens of, of Corinth were not close to God. 
So to be called to live as saints of God, to be called to live as children of God, to be called to live as citizens of heaven while in Corinth means walking close to God. That's what it means to be saints of God. They're called to be saints of God, to walk close with God in the middle of ick and yuck and junk, oppressive junk. It means listening to God through his word and hungering for it through preachers that God would raise up after Paul left. It means listening to God through his word written down by the Apostle Paul, sent to them in the form of this letter. They ought to take this letter seriously. And the second one to follow, 2 Corinthians, it means praying to God from that city and from that house church. It means examining the dirty ways of the sensual city around them and seeing if the dirt had gotten onto any of God's people who were also living right there close by. It means repenting of their own dirt and believing in the cleansing of Jesus and believing in the righteous record of Jesus being applied to them by faith, the alien righteousness of Christ granted to them, whole hog. It means seeking God's strength and his wisdom to live and make decisions day by day in the middle of that darkness. That's what it means. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It brings us to our third point. Believers in Corinth had a Lord. Similarly, believers all around the world serve the same Lord. So the ethic or the definition of right and wrong was the same for all of God's people in every generation, for Christian people around the world. Right and wrong has been the same in every generation for the last 2,000 years. And since this letter has been written, it's the same today. Don't be confused by the generation in which we live. Paul's calling on the people in the first generation not to be confused by the generation in which they live or the city in which they live. The one right standard is set by the Lord. We have a Lord. He defines holy living. He says what it means to walk closely with him. And as those who trusted in Christ Jesus, they knew the truth of the gospel, the gospel that is that, that, is, that despite their sins, Christ has come close to them right there in the middle of their sinful society. It's the same good news for us. We can be encouraged, we can be comforted, we can rejoice in the middle of oppressive darkness. We live right here in the middle of a sinful society And Christ has come to us. Christ is close by. Emmanuel, we sang. Don't don't forget it when the poinsettias go away. Emmanuel, God with us, close to us, especially during times of decline, times of trouble. God is with us. He's faithful to us. He's not just allowing his church to survive. He's building his church. He's building his kingdom worldwide. Nothing slows his accomplishment of his great purposes or his perfect timing. He's wise. He's strategic as God. He's spreading the good news about salvation and rescue to people stuck in sins. They don't want to live that way. They don't know any better. They're killing themselves very slowly. God's plan is better than our plan. His strategy for our lives is a patient strategy. He has placed us, each of us, exactly where he wants us, right down to your very co-workers, right down to your exact neighbors. He has placed us 
that we might shine the light. His word is powerful. His word bears fruit. He has people nearby. In our sinful world, he intends to save. His people work near you. His people live near you. We don't give up praying for the conversion of loved ones, neighbors, co-workers, fellow citizens in our city. God's work is never in vain. The fruits may seem small. But as we study this letter, we will see that God used a small group of his people to grow his church in a place like Corinth and then used Corinth to bless the entire known world. What have we seen that Christ has sanctified us through his death and resurrection and invites us to walk close with him, called to be God's people within a sinful society, called to be saints, walking closely with God, co-called as his people with Christians everywhere. I have one concluding application. Walk close to God. That's it, walk close to God. The title of the message, invited to walk close to God. It's what he, he, it's what he means. It's, it's the start of what happened in Corinth. We are safe in Christ in the middle of a broken, declining, disgusting society. It's repulsive. To anybody who's a right-thinking Christian, it's absolutely repulsive. I dare not repeat the things from the pulpit that you know exactly what I'm talking about. We are safe living in the middle of that. Which county do you want to move to? Which state do you want to move to where these things are not present? We're called to be where God calls us to be. And where we are, he will never leave us and will never forsake us. He is with us through it. He never abandons his children. He never abandons his church. There's nothing for us to fear. He cares for us in the middle of a hurting place. And we can share this truth with anyone we meet. There's hope for you. Look at it differently. See it from God's perspective. Let me share the scriptures with you. We have a powerful and caring God. And we can tell others about him. I have a savior. I have a rescuer. I have a redeemer. I wish you would have him too. Let me tell you about him. And it comes naturally as we walk close to God and our hearts are broken for people living in such dark ways. Walk close to God. Paul writes it here. James repeats it. I end with this. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let's pray. Father, draw us close to you through Christ by 